Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps to Detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of the Force Center podcast feed is the Clone Wars Report. Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> it's the Clone Wars Report. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You were being like an oldie time uh, news agent, hear ye, hear ye, or the, the town crier. Yes, I've run out of modern references most of <laughs> centuries ago. If you're just joining us, welcome to the evolution of noises. We started by celebrating the great sort of uh, old-style uh, f- little serial film news agent reel that is at the beginning of the Clone Wars, and it has now become this, uh, a little Dickensian waif yelling, hear ye, hear ye. 
Mm. <laughs> Who doesn't love Dickensian Star Wars references? Come on, Dickensian waifs are the best and a good name for a Star Wars character. Who's this bounty hunter? My name's Dickensian Waif. Almost <laughs> sounds cool, but then it ends kind of weak with Waif and all that. Anyway, uh, we have some great episodes to discuss. As always, we have been discussing a single episode, if it's a single story, or if there are a couple episodes that form an arc, we discuss everything in that arc. So we're discussing these two episodes in this episode of the podcast, Jedi Crash, which is season one, episode 13, written by Katie Lucas, directed by Rob Coleman, a.k.a. Coleman Trabor, which is awesome. Uh, and then uh, Defenders of Peace, which is season one, episode 14, written by Bill Canterbury, directed by Stuart Lee. Uh, did you uh, enjoy seeing uh, Coleman Trabor's real human name in the credits, Ken? Yeah, I know he's done so much over there at Lucasfilm and ILM and everything, but I, I didn't I didn't know that he directed an episode, uh, and, and perhaps more even, I, I don't know, of Clone Wars. I obviously know Kate, Katie Lucas. I do believe this is her first credited episode, right? Uh, yeah. So, so. I was, uh, yeah, I love that man. I like Rob Coleman. He just, every time he pops in those Phantom Menace docs and everything, he just seems like a good chap. And uh, the fact that he's named after a Jedi just makes it, drives it home even more that he's probably worthy of the title. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's always uh, cool to see everybody getting to kind of stretch in different directions. And yeah, awesome to see Katie Lucas's name uh, pop up for the first time. Um, and I'm curious if that was because this is an episode that uh, features Ayla Sakura. Not that any gender can't write any gender, but it d does seem like that has been her history of uh, being asked to give some polish to some of the, the women characters in Star Wars during this Clone Wars era. Yeah, well, yeah, no, I, look, later on she does it in uh, just a wonderful, amazing fashion with Asajj Ventress. So uh, I, I love it. I, and and I, I miss her around the Star Wars parts. I get why she's moved on and try to establish her name uh, outside of Star Wars. But uh, I think she's just a, a great writer. Yeah, no, she has added a lot to Star Wars through her Clone Wars writing. Uh, and speaking of which, let's summarize these episodes and then we'll dive into discussing them. Uh, so here's our summary. Attempting to save Jedi Knight, Ayla Secura and her clones at the Battle of Quell, Anakin Skywalker is grievously injured. Ahsoka and Ayla struggle to escape the battle and end up crash landing on the remote world of Meridun. There, they receive medical aid from Lerman settlers who have fled to Meridun to avoid the Clone Wars. The Lerman leader, Tewat Ka, holds the Jedi equally responsible for the war as the Separatists. Unrelated to the presence of the Jedi, Separatist Alliance member Locke Durd, played by the great George Takei, chooses Meridan and the Lerman village to test his terrifying weapon, the Defoliator. The weapon destroys all organic matter but leaves machines untouched. Unwilling to leave the Lerman to die, the Jedi and clones mount a defense. Action, comedy, and core philosophies about the nature of war ensue. Our heroes do win, but as Tewat Ka says, at what cost? Mm -hmm. So, great episode, lots of stuff going on. I already spoiled my reaction by saying great episodes. What was <laughs> your overall reaction, Ken? Did you love this one? Did you like it? Did you struggle with it? What's the big picture for you? Uh, you know, no, I really do love the episode, especially now. I think there's some some really important questions. I, you know, I say it a lot, but I, I just love when I watch an episode and I don't necessarily know where the clear answer is. You know, you know, I mean, there's some great commentary, here, but this, this, this arc ends with a question <laughs> and I love that for star Wars. So this is a lot of fun. And this, this, these two episodes have a weird, weird being, uh, I don't know, just quizzical, uh, funny, uh, personal history for me, uh, back when I first saw them in 2009. Yeah. Do you want to go into that now? It's embarrassing, but yes, 
<laughs> um, so I look, I Star Wars, the myth of Star Wars and the lessons was never lost on me. I, I, I will defend myself from that. I, I've always, you know, recognized what it meant, uh, even though, you know, as a child of the 80s with my toys and my G.I. Joe's, my Transformers and, and whatnot. I've loved the action and I've always been drawn to the the fighting. I've, I've talked, you know, the, 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 the rebellion over the empire, that, that storyline. I've said that many, many times. And so, so it's um, understandable. But I, I got the deep meanings, but this one, this was in January, 2009. You know, I, I wasn't fully watching. I was watching the Clone Wars, but it was not with the fervor and, and the detail, attention to detail that we have right now, which has been mm-hmm. fun to go back. You know, we're five, four or five years after the prequels. It's like, uh, this is all we got. I was watching it with one eye open, so to speak. And it's this, the, these episodes, I just was like, God, I have this sinking feeling that George is, not, and everyone, but George is trying to, tell us something <laughs> and again not landing on a hundred percent right answers or even if they you land on what you feel is 100 percent right the path there is is complicated and asks you to to uh, challenge yourself and and this was in an episode that i feel has some silly stuff some typical uh, traditional silly clone war stuff that maybe i would get caught up on I'd also have some great action. And, and this was one of the first times I really kind of stood up and was like, Oh man. Yeah. We're, we're supposed to dig deeper. And, and that's even then you and I talked the last week uh, on or the earlier or this week on the five years of force center, just that continues that maturation Star Wars fan has continued for me. And, and hopefully we, I continue to grow as a fan. This is one of the episodes where I was just like, Oh yeah. Got <laughs> it. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you uh, that I, you know, gone on the journey with the Clone Wars and with this episode in particular. You know, I really liked the prequels, even though a lot of other people didn't because I was interested in these ideas about, you know, when do you uh, fight a war? When do you not fight a war? When is compassion a great thing? And when is compassion actually you being selfish and not wanting to lose something for yourself? I, I thought, well, those ideas were great in the uh in the prequels. And then when I first watched the clone wars, which was like fall of 2014, I was excited to see those ideas sort of, uh, redeveloped, refocused on And It feels a little like Lucas saying like, uh, I'm going to take some of these big core ideas of the prequels that it seemed like maybe <laughs> missed people. And I'm going to reexamine them in, in small and intimate ways and from slightly different perspectives, but I'm really going to reinforce what I was saying with, uh, those films. But even for myself, watching it in fall of 2014, it was fun to like see those ideas again. But going on this journey of doing the podcast, in particular doing the Clone Wars uh, Report po- podcast episodes, of really dialing into how prevalent these themes are across all Star Wars, Lucas Star Wars, all of the sequel trilogy, all of the spinoffs, uh, Rebels, The Mandalorian, and seeing like these are the big questions and ideas and themes that Star Wars has to offer and it's what starts connecting when a random episode of Clone Wars really speaks to The Last Jedi or and that mm-hmm. really speaks to an episode of Rebels and that really speaks to an episode of The Mandalorian and that really speaks to a Claudia Gray book and to see it all uh, you know, fr- from the perspective of uh, that you and I are taking and, and other people who are going on these journeys mm-hmm. of seeing how much these themes all connect and, and it makes the entire galaxy richer. Yeah, that term we throw around a lot, the emotional canon one, you've just described it and the magic of it. And when you see it and you connect it and something that, you know, was originally out in 2009 and you watch it and go, yep, 
this carries to 2020 and the, and the material coming out now. And that, that's what we're talking about. And yeah, love, love how you said that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. For myself, uh, I got to keep my list of what I like and what I love. I'm putting both these in the love, uh, in the love column, <laughs> scary place, the love column. That sounds scary. It's a good thing. These are two episodes that I love. I think I love them because they've got the big ideas, uh, but there's also a lot of surface level details of just my Star Wars fandom. I really like that. Um, there's some great action. There's not a ton of action. There's almost more philosophy about action than action, but the action that's there is really good and feels fresh and not repetitive. Um, Locke Dirt and Tewat Ka are great. I don't think always of the Clone Wars is the kind of show that is that you know is make or break based on the supporting cast that week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is supporting cast go? Those characters are both like really compelling and really. Uh, interesting and well acted uh by the voice actors and the animators um i love it because this arc we get quality time with another jedi which watching the clone wars again with fresh eyes and seeing how much season one was on a mission to be like hey let's spend more time with a uh, plo coon right uh let's spend uh more time with kit fisto let's spend more time with ala secura they're not just cool in the background characters they're real characters now uh, it advances uh, the Ahsoka and Anakin relationship, which I think is one of the big picture arcs of the Clone Wars. Uh, I want to talk about this more later, but this is one of the rare arcs of pure heroism from Anakin. Anakin is like kind of indisputably by Jedi philosophy, correct and likable and a hero throughout these two episodes, which is really great to see when we have so many episodes in the Clone Wars where it's he's dancing on the edge and he's not dancing on the edge at all. He's being a great Jedi, which is just really wonderful to see um and the big picture thing for me is that uh, i love the philosophy in these episodes um not just because it's this uh interesting grab bag of star wars themes it feels so uh like such a choice it is so on purpose that to me the first episode really dives into this idea of how we fight matters fighting doesn't always have to be violent so it really has the questioning war, questioning how we conduct uh, war, how we conduct ourselves when we have a disagreement with people. And then it immediately follows in the next episode by saying, yeah, but sometimes action is necessary to defend against a great evil. So on one side of this great sort of war discussion of Star Wars, the first episode presents a lot of, here's why you've got to be really careful with war and question war. And the second episode really presents, but here's why you really do have to question just being totally inactive and not responding to a challenge in front of you. So what I really love about all these themes, which we're going to dive into, is, you know, as you were saying, it does leave questions open and you can absolutely have your uh, opinions about the morality of Star Wars. But I feel like what it really does is it, it makes a couple of strong themes where it's not questions, it's statements, almost literally from the mouths of characters, stating a thematic opinion, and then kind of puts them next to each other and says, the difficult thing is, you know, pulling them apart from one another and in each situation deciding which of these wisdoms is correct in this moment. So it's not even that it's saying, who knows? It's saying, these are here's a couple of truths but these truths can't always coexist. So how are you going to manage that? Mm. Yeah. yeah the, 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 it's two sides of the same coin for me. And you, and you meant, you just said something, uh, uh, you know, about knowing how to pull them apart, which these episodes ask you to do. And I think some of the open endedness, so to speak at the end is 
challenging you to find how they connect as well. Mm-hmm. And, and you, we talk a lot about how you fight uh, being valuable. And the guy keeps, keeps coming up in the Clone Wars almost as if it's a theme. <laughs> but, but how the first episode isn't wrong and the second episode isn't wrong. And maybe that question at the end, and we're going to dive into it, but maybe that question at the end is, is there, there is a time to fight, but do not underestimate how you fight and what that could lead to. And we don't get that third part. We don't get what this could lead to. If you, I don't know, it's that James Bond thing you and I have referenced of the first kills the easiest, you know, <laughs> are the, are the, do I think the Lerman are become bloodthirsty warriors after this? No, but maybe that's what, maybe that's what, uh, uh, you know, uh, what, uh, T. Watt cause is, is asking, you know, <laughs> what did we just get on one step further under the slippery slope? Anyways, I, I love it. I love what you're saying. It, it is all those things. And, and it, this, it's very clear. This episode is like one, argue, one, one thought, two sides, how do they connect and how do they uh, get pulled apart? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, even more big Star Wars ideas thrown into the mix, I think, in interesting ways. So let's uh, start to dive into it. The morals of these episodes, the first moral is uh, greed and fear of loss are roots are the roots that lead to the tree of evil. Uh, the second one is when surrounded by war, one must eventually choose a side. Um, I'm sure we're going to get into the depth of those because those are, I think, are a little bit more explicit theme statements than uh, these morals sometimes are. But how did you respond to the morals? How did they affect you? Uh, you know, in writing down, as I, as I do every week, as you do, just writing down the moral and, and, and literally staring at it over a cup of coffee and going, going, how do I react to it? The second one, it's, just, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, we've, we've, we've heard this before, but I, I, I mean, that it, it, that's a great thing to always come back to because I think different people are going to react to different things. Uh, you might not react to Lerman. You might react to Finn being told this, you know, you might react to, to Han having these lessons. So uh, I, I enjoyed the lather, rinse, repeat aspect of it. It goes deeper than a lot of the other things. So I, I reacted just that on the surface uh, and then reacted a lot more to Ahsoka's lessons to the first one, greed and fear of loss are the roots that lead to the tree of evil because of what you said. I'm, I'm conditioned to see Anakin as the one always dealing with that, but to have him here and there's that one moment, you know, where he is on the med bay and it's reminiscent of things we'll see to come, but that it's really Ahsoka really getting the, the first big steps of this and how that directly connects to other things. So that that's where I started in the overall reactions. Just. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point that we are looking at, you know, this classic theme of the fear of loss uh, leading to the dark side and, and said in a very dramatic way, that the roots that lead to the tree of evil. I, I kind of like how uh, melodramatic it is in a good way. Um, but we're dealing with it from uh, Ahsoka's point of view more than Anakin's point of view, which is great. Uh, all those things are set up right away in, in early in the Clone Wars of, you know, not only what Anakin might lose by or learn by learning to let go of Ahsoka at the end of her training, but you know what is Ahsoka going to learn from this uh, really different style of Jedi who's wrestling with these uh, issues himself? I also like that greed is included because that whole the fear of loss is explicit. You know, Revenge of the Sith was sort of re-edited by Lucas to really focus on that. Here's why Anakin fell because he couldn't. He selfishly couldn't for himself bear the loss of Padme. Not that he selflessly needed to save Padme for her sake, but that he selfishly couldn't let her go. But then there's that whole greed thing. And greed pops up a ton in Lucas's interviews uh, about 
Revenge of the Sith about the nature of the dark side. Um, so I like that he's like, hey, you know, maybe him. Who knows? Maybe not. But I like that that little word greed pops up. And if you start to track it in Revenge of the Sith in particular and in the prequels, uh, you know, it starts with, you know, the Trade Federation <laughs> blockading something out of greed, you know, and mm-hmm. how important greed is as a theme. It was nice to see that pop up in these morals. Definitely. And and and, and uh, later on, Locke Third had definitely has uh, some some personal greed of power position and, and and just kind of on that surface, too. So so it goes into several spots of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of relates to Yoda's uh, teachings to Anakin about uh, greed in uh, that uh, that attachment can lead to jealousy and that is a form of greed you know which is really interesting because i think it speaks to that little sub theme that is there in revenge of the sith but isn't emphasized of uh anakin being jealous of obi-wan and you know like that moment where he's mad because mm-hmm. obi-wan had been in the apartment and all that it's it's you know this extra nuance to the fear of loss of like that not only will this person die but i am constantly afraid of losing this person in in every way and you know lucas portraying that portraying jealousy as a form of greed makes it like yeah it's financial like greed we understand but also like emotional greed uh, i i'm just always interested in that uh lately because that it's yeah. it feels like the lost sub theme <laughs> of anakin's fall is greed yeah, well, well, yeah, not to, I mean, uh, you and I came of age in the 80s, and that's that's a greedy decade, and Gordon Gecko, and, and we absolutely can see see it in terms of money and Wall Street and all that kind of stuff, but but for Lucas, to, like, I, you're so right, he just, the, the, the emotional greed, like, we like our emotional candy, the emotional greed, <laughs> don't overlook it, don't overlook it, yeah, I, 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 love, I love that you said that, it just keeps, uh, he's like, it's like he wrote it on a chalkboard, emotional <laughs> greed, everything goes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it it plays out, uh, I think, in this episode a little bit uh, as well. So let's dive into these big themes. Uh, which, uh, where where do you want to start for yourself? What is most powerful to you? What are you most interested in pulling apart? I, I think um, we can go, kind of go in order. I think there's some great stuff in episode two, but uh, looking at Ahsoka's journey and looking at Ayla Sakura, who, you know, I think it's so great. You, you know, Amy Allen portrays her in... Uh, in the prequels and she's a Lucasfilm employee and she's uh, the character design is of a different era. Um, I think we would want a little bit more out of the, the outfit and design of that character now, but, but she's a great Jedi and all this to, to have her front and center really addressing some of the stuff with Ahsoka, uh, mentioning her master, which I do believe in legends, at least, I don't know. Are there some kind of, I think it's Quinlan Voss if I'm not. In, yeah. In Canon, it's still Quinlan Voss. It is still, okay. Which adds a lot to this dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I kind of want to go there. That was yeah. A long, let's let's go. That, yeah, that was, a, that was a long answer to say. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, if we're going the same place, I think the the way I was uh, pulling apart this theme is to think about it of this balance between compassion and fear of loss. That that's what Ahsoka is trying to learn. Of like, I understand it's good to be. I understand uh, I can't give in to the fear of loss, but also I'm supposed to be compassionate. So how do I balance those things? Especially when it's right in front of you. Yeah. I always say your, your deepest beliefs in life are really challenged the, the moment something is in front of you. You start to see it and yeah, differently. Yeah. Yeah. When it's not on a test, but it's just like something mm-hmm. that you personally feel. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this theme? Um, I, I think it's best, the lesson is best taught when, when the moment Ahsoka releases herself from the immediate attachment, uh, bigger things at play, but the moment she does, 
She starts finding clues for the literal path forward to help Anakin. Uh, she finds the, the, the that clue on the little rock, the drawing. The tablet, yeah, the stone tablet, yeah. Um, and it's just one of those, the, the, the action in the story is, is telling you what's going on here. And it's not, you know, it's, it's, I'm not some smart professor here. It's just, I, you see it. It's like, she does not want to leave. Oh, every plan, everything she says up to this point is uh, stay with Anakin, even on the ship before he's hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, has, he, has, he has to force push them all away. So to, to have her stare at Anakin, injured on the floor, and, and yeah, I wouldn't want to leave either. Wouldn't want to leave either. But the moment and Ayla's like, you got it, we got to do this, um, that's when it starts to open up. And the lessons are therefore so good to learn, but it literally opens up and moves forward. And that 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 really spoke to me. Yeah, that is, that's a great insight of it. It's physically literal of she can protect Anakin uh, out of her own fear of leaving him, but she would literally stay there and <laughs> never literally physically move forward. That's a great insight and a great literal thing that happens. Yeah. And Anakin gets better. I, I, I'm not a parent. I, I, this is, this is where we miss uh, Jennifer's insight is, is she goes through this as a young parent, but like, uh, you know, overprotective parents, it's a thing. You can make your jokes and everything I do on stage, but yeah, uh, you know, you could stand by my side and protect me from any hurt or you could go forward and we all could get better. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I think always at work is that central question of is the person truly in danger or Mm -hmm. is it that your fear of losing them is motivating you? You know, because I think uh, that's part of what's going on with this balance between compassion and fear of loss of sometimes, you know, they're one in the same. But like in this instance, uh, you know, you're so right. Ahsoka can't help him unless she takes the risk of leaving him. Uh, alone to be guarded by Rex, but she doesn't recognize that because she is consumed by the fear of losing him. You know? Yeah. Mom, are you listening? Never mind. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's this uh, element too that Ayla is demonstrating this Jedi philosophy that one could argue is a little bit more cold, um, that mm-hmm. she is putting the mission and the group over Anakin. Uh, you know, Anakin is is being good. He's being selfless. He came. He raced there to rescue Ayla uh, Secura and those clones to save their lives. He did the force push uh, selflessly, and then Ayla's like, "Leave him in the hallway." <laughs> and yeah. then you know she wants to shut off the power uh, to not you know fly into a sun. Uh, and Ahsoka's like, "But his life support." And she's like, "Well, you, you got to do it." Uh, and then she just kind of literally expresses uh, to Ahsoka, "Well, a Jedi does what's best for the group, not for." the individual and so you know ahsoka's going on her journey but ayla really is representing this slightly more cold like no 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 you just march forward and kind of don't question keep moving uh and yeah ayla Ayla expresses this clearly of saying uh don't lose a thousand lives to save one Mm -hmm. and ahsoka responds maybe but that doesn't mean i can't try to save his life so you got mm-hmm. these kind of two ideas at work. One where Ahsoka is holding herself back uh, because she is consumed by this fear of loss. She uh, releases that and realizes she can still be compassionate. She can still try to save him, but she needs to let go of that fear of loss to do it. But then there's this other idea where Ayla's kind of saying, well, no, just uh, sacrifices get made. Don't, you know, don't worry about it too much. Move on. And Ahsoka literally pushes back and says, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I think I can still try to save him without giving in 
to the fear of loss, which is this great mm-hmm. setup for where Ahsoka is going to go, where she is able to uh, thread this Jedi needle. And I think that's really interesting to watch as the episode uh, progresses that Ayla does not hesitate uh, to rescue mm-hmm. Bly when the, when he trips and misses his shot to escape the defoliator. Mm-hmm. And Ayla just swoops in to grab him right away. So it, it does seem like the Jedi in this era sometimes get in this place of they are too ready to accept the philosophy of, you know, let go of what you fear to lose. If somebody falls behind, keep going to save the group. And honestly, just doesn't kind of take a second to go like, but well, maybe we should try to save that person, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we see these examples later on where that sanctity of life and that sanctity of, of defending and preserving life become a little bit more important. And it almost feels like Ayla is um, opening up a little bit to uh, Ahsoka's perspective of like, but we can still have compassion be really, really important as long as we're not making bad decisions that sacrifice the group for the individual. This is why I really love these episodes now. What you're talking about to me raises big questions that maybe Ahsoka answers later, season five stuff, yeah. seven stuff. Um, I don't think Ayla Secura is wrong at all, right? She's she's not wrong on paper. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But this is also the era in which the Jedi are losing their way. And I, I still think that we have to factor in those big canon lore connections, which we'd always talk about on this episode, but just theme-wise. If George is writing emotional greed on the wall, he's all he's also writing, uh, you know, the Jedi organization is disconnected with its heart. And so that's why I, I don't think you, you or I are like pointing fingers at Ayla and going, you got it wrong. Uh, that's definitely not the point. What you and I keep coming back to is you have to f- find what's connected and, and, and what to disconnect. And I love that Ahsoka Tano in this moment starts having these thoughts or has these starts thoughts and is starting to express what eventually will really affect your life later on. That's exciting to me. Makes it fun. Makes it deep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the simple way to say what I was trying to say is I mm-hmm. think in this era, the Jedi have a fear of fear of loss uh, that blinds them to moments where you, it is okay to be compassionate. You can be compassionate without sacrificing anything else. And that's what's yeah. so great about this episode is, you know, early on, there are moments where uh, Ayla's definitely right of like, Ahsoka, you gotta let go and move on a little bit. And then there are moments where, oh, I'm so used to that philosophy. I didn't really see this opportunity for compassion in front of me is not actually a risk right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's a Star Wars tradition that the 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 student and the master are often uh, teaching each other on the same paths, you know? Yeah, yeah. And very cool to know that Ayla, even though it's not explicit in this episode, she had a non-traditional, quirky, interesting master in Quinlan Voss that she was very attached to that yeah. binds her to Ahsoka having this very non-traditional Jedi in Anakin. Uh, so moving on to the next theme, uh, for me, the next big theme is how we fight matters, kind of the central argument in the back half of this episode uh, presented by T. Watt Ka. Do you want to move on to that? Yes, let's do it. Okay, so uh, yeah, so some general thoughts of obviously T. Watt Ka uh, is immediately uh, very clear of the Lerman moved to Meridun to get away from the Jedi War. Uh, uh, the Lerman are originally from Maigito, which is really cool, and uh also, I learned that the Amani are native to Meriden. So somewhere on this planet, there are a bunch of Amana men going, what the hell's going on? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, yeah, so uh, Tewaka is uh, pretty clear. But then we get this great 
hut scene uh, between Ayla and Tewatka, where Ayla's, you know, clearly is stewing in her juices about being criticized and having the Jedi way criticized. We got that great shot where uh, he says, you know, violence breeds violence, and she uh, looks down at her own lightsaber and looks troubled. Um, but Ayla says in the hut, the Jedi did not initiate the Clone Wars. Our only intention is to end it and restore peace to our galaxy. Which this is a perspective we're seeing a lot in these early Clone Wars episodes where the Jedi are pretty much acting in defense. They're going somewhere when somebody requests it. They're going somewhere when the, um, when the Separatists are already there. They're trying to do relief missions. They're trying to hold the Separatists in the outer rim so they can't press in more. They're trying to fight this war from a perspective of defense. Uh, but Tewat Ka responds with, fighting for something doesn't necessarily mean you have to destroy everything in your path. And that, for me, is where this idea of how we fight matters really starts to resonate. Uh, this idea of being really clear about, yeah, you got to fight, but are you absolutely sure that, you know, violence and war is the only path forward in this fight? And I think it's great that Tewat Ka's speech is immediately followed by this scene where the animals, uh, the Mastiff Falones, are attacking Rex and Anakin. And Anakin wakes up and literally says, we must fight. <laughs> One of the moments in this episode where Anakin is kind of back to his traditional hack and slash, uh, you know, always on the move. Uh, so he literally says the opposite of what Tewat Ka just said. And then Tewat Ka's son, the healer, Wagtu, uh, shows up and does fight. Uh, but he does not kill the creature, you know, ties it up and defeats it in a different way. And all that for me was this great picture of this core Star Wars theme, how we fight matters. Uh, what were your thoughts and reactions to that theme? I'll start with my 2009 thoughts. This is one of those moments where I was like, no, no, I'm going even to attack the clones. The Jedi are the good team. I've been rooting for them my whole life, even though I like the Imperial toys better. I've been rooting <laughs> for them. Um, I would never question it. Uh, General Kenobi, I've heard that term growing up, you know, served as fa my father in Clone Wars, never questioned it. Uh, and suddenly Jedi as generals and the position they got themselves in, not, you know, not uh, get, we're always here for justice for the Jedi. Um, it started to like, it started to really make me look at that because I would, I would be in Ayla's shoes. Go, well, no, we, we didn't, we didn't start this. And they didn't necessarily start. It was part of a big Phantom menace plan, but they are in a position where they are starting to separate from maybe core values. I call it the, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's the trail of crumbs kind of theory of just, you might have to go forward down a darker path, but maybe try to leave some trail of crumbs to get back to where you were and who you are. So you don't lose it. And that's kind of, to me, how I interpret the um, having to fight or how you fight and, to avoid a hardening of the heart, you know, uh, even in some situations I've been in my life where like, yep, well, this is going to happen, but make sure you get back to where you started or else you keep slipping forward. And I think that's where some of the stuff this episode asked in the end. I don't know if any of that makes super sense based on the scene, but I love this scene because in 2009, I'd be like, yeah, lemur guy, the Jedi's right. Now I'm like, I don't think either are wrong, uh, um, but there's some real deep questions that, I, you know, it's fun to try to ask and answer as far as the Jedi go. Yeah. And I love what you're saying. And I think what's so great about this is these are presented as some timeless uh, philosophy and you can just go, Oh, which one's right? Which one's wrong? Are they both right from a certain point of view? 
But what makes Star Wars storytelling really rich to me is they're situational. Uh, yeah. We know that from uh, Ayla Secura's perspective, her heart is in the right place. The Jedi's intentions are in the right place. They're seeing the Separatists as they are launching an attack and we are trying to defend from it. But then situationally, we know that in this particular instance, Tewat Ka is right because this is an unnecessary war and the Jedi are exacerbating it because it is an, a big picture, mm -hmm. an unnecessary war manipulated and stoked by the Sith so that we know from the big picture that if the Jedi had listened to their own philosophy and said, oh, we're, we're not going to make things worse by, you know, screaming around the galaxy, blowing things up, you know, tearing apart planets, getting a bunch of clones killed, uh, you know, getting civilians killed accidentally in the middle of war, Jedi themselves dying, all this uh, anger and fear and all the, all the bad stuff that happens from escalating fighting. You know, if they had been able to take a step back and found, found a different way to fight, say the Clone Wars do need to be addressed or the separatist, you know, attacks do need to be addressed. But how, you know, is there a way to just be defense to just say, Republic, you send your clones out and you do what you need to do. But we, the Jedi, are just going to go around on, you know, mercy missions and defense missions to the best of our ability. Like, could they have found a different way to fight? And all of that is great, like big picture philosophy. But it's also this to me, this power of rec recognizing that it's situational. It depends on what the truth of the situation is. Look, you and I, even off air, have talked a little bit about life situation. You know, I, I, how many times have you heard me say I, I kind of a, a case by case kind of person, and that that that, that can sometimes be wrong, uh, and sometimes uh, you know you want to answer bigger questions. I think it's situational, and just having maybe uh, the word confidence is right of just the, this uh, belief in yourself and your core beliefs that that you can you can look at a, a situation and adapt as needed but still be who you are. If that makes any sense. I don't know if that makes sense. I, I, I just, th that, that's some of the stuff that, that speaks to me in this episode is, is you talk about Ayla secure rescuing fly, but all, but and that being just as valuable as you got to let Anakin go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like in that moment, you know, Ayla was not, you know, risking anybody else by rescuing Bly. So it was an unquestioning, of course, Jedi live to, uh, to preserve life they live to defend you know and that was a moment where no one else was in it didn't it wasn't putting anyone else in danger and so she swooped yeah. in and she did it and other times in the episode she's like let him die yeah. <laughs> because it it would sacrifice something else yeah uh yeah so i think I, that's what's really interesting is is, mm -hmm. is trying to stay core to those true beliefs and recognizing like i believe these two things and sometimes they don't always agree and in this situation it is clearly more important to value x or value y yeah, this leaps a little bit ahead to the end of the episode, but I think uh, I think it's a good time to bring it up. I, I just wrote this down, and, and this is something that maybe in trying to make some sense of it to me. I wrote down the line: "When tradition fails to account for the present, it can hurt more than be a guidance." And the 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 digging into the heels can be a positive thing. Again, knowing who you are, knowing what your core beliefs are. Uh, Tiwat Kot definitely knows what their way is. That is their way, not ours. But then how that can also be a real double-edged sword that um can really hurt his people unnecessarily unnecessarily yeah yeah that's what's so great about these episodes is it creates these scenarios let's uh, move on to that next uh, big theme uh which is to me in in the next episode the second episode uh that fighting even war 
is needed to defend against evil sometimes. And that's just surround, uh, sort of supported by the actual straight up moral on screen. When surrounded by war, mm-hmm. one must eventually choose a side. Uh, so just kind of some evidence of it in the episode itself. Uh, we get some great Anakin wisdom that he recognizes the distinction between pulling the Lerman into war versus leaving them to extinction. That's again, leading on that, leaning on that Jedi uh, understanding of def- action in defense is pure from their perspective, from their philosophy. Uh, we get the, just a general plot note that it, as much as Tewat Ka is right, that the Jedi are exacerbating things in this particular instance, only kind of <laughs> the separatists were coming here. Any, they didn't follow them. Uh, the Jedi from crashing there that they were coming there anyway to brutally slaughter uh, <laughs> the Lerman uh, with a horrible weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this, uh, uh, this idea is even more supported by how much this episode goes out of its way to remind us that both sides are not the same. Tewat Kai has a lot to say about like, well, it doesn't matter in that first episode saying to Ayla, it doesn't matter who initiated it, you know, and it really takes two to fight. And a lot of stuff that really goes to that both sides kind of thing. Mm -hmm. In this second episode, um, we see that the Jedi try to respect the Lerman's beliefs. The second they see the Separatists coming, they're like, we're out of here. We don't want to cause you any problems. Uh, They're trying so hard to respect the Lerman beliefs. And in contrast, Lockdurd comes in with the normal... Uh, we are taking you over for security and protection, which is just uh, always BS in the Clone Wars. Uh, and the Separatists are always saying that. And then, of course, we learn that Lockter just wants to slaughter them to test a weapon and to ultimately get a promotion. And <laughs> just that that stark contrast between like, yes, it does take two sides to fight and violence begets violence. Those things are true. Absolutely. But also situationally, sometimes... Both sides are not the same. The Jedi are turning themselves into a pretzel, trying to follow their beliefs and respect everyone else's. And the Separatists are, I'm going to burn you out of existence so I get a promotion. Those two things are not the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. We'll talk about Dirty because yeah. he's really funny. <laughs> Lock Dirt is a hell of a thing, and, and George uh, Takei, I think, really elevates him. Yes. Uh, just uh, a couple more ideas in this. Uh, what you were saying, I like that Wag 2, uh, the son, the healer, uh, straight up says, my father is strong-willed and set in tradition. Lermans must obey, even if they don't agree. That gets into this great sort of, uh, there's a lot in this episode that is the organic versus the mechanical, the, these uh, ideas of rigidity versus uh, evolving. It you know, Tewat Ka has been saying all these things where you're like, yep, Tewat Ka's got the Jedi's number. He knows their flaws. And then he's pretty blatantly like, this is a blatant match to the Jedi rigidity of not questioning their way. So he's just like, mm-hmm. I'm not questioning it. And then the thing that that really uh, I thought was great to include in an in, in episode wrestling with all this stuff is I think Tewat Ka himself has this line that ties back to this initial theme about fear of loss and and letting go of what you fear to lose. And he pushes that philosophy of let go of what you fear to lose to its ultimate point into possibly its breaking point by saying, if it's our destiny to be destroyed in your war, so be it. Uh. Where he is clinging to his philosophy of uh, pacifism and non-involvement to the point of saying, well, if this person who has come here aggressively to kill us for no reason wants to kill us, so be it. And it just, it puts that whole 
compassion versus fear of loss uh, Jedi thematic wrestling into this really stark contrast of what does that mean in the big picture? Like the Jedi want to let, don't want to hold on to things. They want to let things go. You know, if a planet has come to its natural end and a star is going to go out, they want to let that happen. If a Jedi is dying of old age, so be it. If a Jedi chooses to sacrifice themselves for the greater good, so be it. If these sort of natural or or um, righteous deaths happen, the Jedi are like, let it go. But then this puts it really in contrast to that of like, there's nothing natural about this. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about that. That's the flow of the galaxy, the will of the force. It's a guy who wants a promotion who's going to slaughter you uh, so he can sit at a fancier table at separatist dinners, mm-hmm. you know? And what is the nobility in that of letting yourself die for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and T. Wakas speaking for a, a, a group here, right? <laughs> like, thank you, sir. Uh, I'll, I'll like to live. I, can I, can I, I, I wrote this down too. You and I often talk about this, this, the use of the word destiny in Star Wars and it being this place of choice, right? You, you, it's destiny brings you to these choices. And I looked at this and I'm like, he, I almost wanted to be like, I don't think you understand destiny. At least the fourth <laughs> center thought of it. Because, yeah, it's our, if it's our destiny to be destroyed, I'm like, no, buddy, you got this choice here. You've got a choice. Destiny has brought you to this. And and we'll learn the lessons after about, you know, are you now a, 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 a village of warriors? Or, you know, you'll find your way. We'll, we'll deal with that. But, yeah, I, I, I was I was affected by that based just on a lot of our conversations in other Star Wars uh, areas. Just destiny. Really? Is it destiny? Yeah. Is it destiny? Is it just like the ebb and flow of the galaxy? Like, you know, you know, there's so many things in Star Wars that are beautiful about it. It's, it's vision of like, well, mentors have to step out of the spotlight sometimes so the next generation can, you know, become who they are meant to be and, you know, noble things like that gentle nature things like that you know the the porgs are born and it's beautiful and then sometimes the porgs die and it's sad <laughs> that's not what's going on here yeah. uh, but Tewat Ka is like yes I've decided for everybody and there is that like uh, Lermans must obey even if they don't agree that is really also saying like well this is why you shouldn't get too rigid and this is why mm-hmm. you should question mentors uh and all that kind of uh idea and then to see the Lermans you know break it uh, and say no, no, no. We're gonna, we're gonna fight to uh, defend our ga- our our village and our lives. Yeah. Uh, and then Tewat Ka coming like, all right, well maybe that was okay, but at what cost? It really does just put a nice thematic bow on tying together all the big ideas of these episodes. Yeah, and, and all the big Star Wars ideas. This is real. This ep- these episodes are just really dripping with the big Star Wars questions. I love it. Yeah. And again, go back to January 2009. Kenton sitting in his apartment in Studio City going, yeah, it's not just about stormtroopers. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. No. And, and like I said, for me, when I watched it in fall of uh, 2014, it's like, ooh, cool, interesting ideas. But like how it how rich they are, how much they connect and how much they they speak to one another with care. You know, uh, the way this episode is constructed and the way it presents ideas um, is not just like eh, throw a bunch of philosophy in the pot, mix it up, see what you get. It's very purposeful uh, to me. <laughs> it's the the philosophy generator. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, put it in the the stew, the generator stew. Um, let's talk about other places where these big themes are reflected in uh, in the story of Star Wars and in, in the morality or the perspective of Star Wars. What do you have for that? Uh, you know what I'll tell you? I, um, 
glad you brought that up. I was going to Rogue One uh, in that era. Uh, Jin, very clear, right? Get involved, look up, uh, join this fight. And so she does. But along the way, along that journey, even before she fully commits, you, you run into Saw Gerrera. Oh, he's looked up. I know oh, he's joined the fight. <laughs> At what cost? Um, and I love the character Saw. I love the character Saw because of that. He's in it. He's in it. But whoa, Killing kids at a f- function like again, all of you. If you haven't read Rebel Rising, please do. And I, I actually, for me, it's on my. If I ever find the time, my reread list. That and Catalyst. I'm actually like, I, I really want to get back into those. Um, with a couple years now behind me on 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 even picking up more themes. I, that one to me, that that's a lot of what I'm taking out of this. And maybe I say this, I bring up the Rogue One example to maybe try to be even more clear and what I'm feeling here, Joseph. Just that is that is what I look at T-Watt caught at the end. Perhaps perhaps we do owe you our thanks. By the way, yes, you do. All right? <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, yes. Great. Um, but uh, I have to wonder what, what costs. It It doesn't, It's that to me is not a yes or no. It's just it's like Saw Gerrera has, there's a cost to everything he's done. And he has, he has a right to feel, uh, you know, to get involved. The, the, everything from his sister his body being destroyed, everything. He's got a lot of reasons to be in this fight and a lot of reasons where I'm going to give him some space on his choices. But in the end of the day, I, I feel he's an example of, of what can go wrong. Um, even if it's not 100% wrong, you know what I mean? But so anyways, I went to that. I went to Rogue One, Jin looking up and how you look up uh, or how you go from there is important. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so great. And I think what is really great about this uh, that second episode that ties in to all these other points in Star Wars is uh, it's it's situational, right? It's a we're presented yeah. with with this specific situation where, uh, for horrible reasons, these Lerman are going to be just uh, slaughtered for no reason. And Anakin and the Jedi recognize that that this is a time where defense is necessary, and that ties into lots of other moments in Star Wars, like uh, Rogue One. Like you know, that's the whole situation with the decision to do something or not about uh, about the Death Star because it's like once you give in to uh, power this evil, that's it. This is, we have to stand up or we're going to just be uh, obliterated. That's definitely going on in Jin's decision. I think with Saw, there's definitely the how we fight. Uh, with Jin even, with shooting Tivik at the beginning, there's definitely like a how we fight. He wrestles with the morality of that. But then it also comes around to this idea of, but eventually in moments of life or death defense, uh, we do have to stand up. And the whole kind of both sides are not the same uh, philosophy of it. It does matter who is fighting for what. Uh, are you fighting to for tyranny? Are you fighting to take over someone else? Or are you fighting just to survive just or, or have your own kind of personal freedom? Um, and that to me resonated with uh everything in Rogue One. It resonates with Han's basic choice in A New Hope to turn around and help with the Death Star. Uh, it resonates with uh, Finn's choice to realize that DJ is wrong, that both sides are not the same. He's seen who Rose is and why Rose fights, and he's seen that in contrast to what the First Order is and what the First Order is willing to do, uh, and he makes a choice. Um, I would argue it uh, goes to the people's choice to fight in The Rise of Skywalker, to say, okay, if, you know, Palpatine and the Sith Eternal Fleet is like locked third with the defoliator of like, well, we're going to come wipe you out. Um, 
and you can either stand against that or don't. Uh, and so I think there's a ton of examples of the when you choose to fight and why based on, you know, sometimes both sides are not the same. Uh, I think a lot of the how we fight uh, goes to Obi-Wan in A New Hope uh, saying, you know, you know, we can't win a fight, but there are alternatives to fighting. Um, Luke in Return of the Jedi, uh, finding that way to, to fight with compassion and throw his saber down. Uh, Luke in The Last Jedi, obviously re- realizing he needs to act, uh, but he's not going to get anything by actually flying to crate and trying to cut uh, mm-hmm. his nephew apart with an actual lightsaber, but he does still have to act. Uh, Ray in The Rise of Skywalker, Palpatine wants her uh, to kill him out of vengeance, and uh, she refuses that. Instead, she just literally stands up and blocks his lightning from going out and, you know, uh, his literal hate from going out into the galaxy. Uh, so there's always these twin themes in Star Wars of pacifism, 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 nonviolence, how we fight matters, always try to take the compassionate route, always try to avoid war. And then these moments where, but if a great evil is going to wipe you out, there's a responsibility to act. And the fact that those these episodes are those two extremely worthy ideas, mm-hmm. both balancing each other and reflecting so much of other Star Wars storytelling is just so powerful. Yeah, I, I really love, um, gosh, all the stuff. Gosh, you just said some stuff. I got excited again for Last Jedi. I got excited again for Rise of Skywalker. I love this, man. I, I love I love hearing this stuff. Uh, even in episode two here, when the Jedi are defending the village and how, when they come back and do it and, and the shields and everything they're doing, it's so funny to, for me to watch this now versus then because this sequence we'll talk after the break about our favorite action moments. I, I love the opening sequence of the, of this arc. Just pure action looks great. Looks great on camera uh, or on screen. Um, I love that the, the Jedi are kind of Luke at, on, on crate or Luke at the end of the last Jedi of, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to fight. I'm going to defend you. I'm going to do it my way though, because that's going to lead to better things. Luke not showing up to hack Kylo in two allows him to be redeemed. Even though Luke knew he wasn't the one who was going to be redeeming him, you know, like those are the consequences and the both unintended and intended. And, and at the end of this episode, man, watching it now, 2020, I'm like, man, the Jedi at the end, these three Jedi, they're fighting the way they know they can and, and should for the big greater fight. It was moving. I liked, I liked it a lot, a lot better than I did in 2009 when it was just dying on me. Yeah. It's, it's, the end of this episode is fist pumping because it does feel so pure of just, we are trying to respect your philosophy. We are not asking you to fight. We didn't actually bring the war to you this time. We might in the future, but right now we can't stand by and just watch innocent people be slaughtered. So we are going to do our very best to respect Mm. you and defend you. Yeah. It again, situational. I think that's the other big thing that these episodes locked in for me about the big picture storytelling of Star Wars of uh, I will always say I think the first thing is compassion pacifism yes fight find any other way to the very best of your ability um, and then sometimes even when a fight starts it's still not uh, worth fighting uh, in that is so about the situation and I think that's this key distinction in these big themes in the Star Wars saga that's at work in these episodes it, is that we, the audience, know the Clone Wars are a totally unnecessary war and the Jedi don't know that. And you contrast that to the Galactic Civil War, which we kind of know was necessary to free the galaxy from the Sith. Uh, Then the First Order War was kind of necessary to defend the galaxy from the Sith. 
And then even within those wars, the Galactic Civil War and the First Order War, um, there are lots of moments where we're seeing characters choosing how they fight and tr- trying to choose a more compassionate route and, you know, trying to choose diplomacy if at all possible. But just a great reminder with these uh, core themes of pacifism first, but action is necessary. It is a responsibility to stand up and do something uh, that the way those themes work themselves out in Star Wars very much depends on what is the nature of the war? Who is the aggressor? What is being defended? Who is being manipulated and by who and for what reason and all those things. And it's what makes, I think, Tewat Ka is right because mm-hmm. this is not the Jedi don't need to be fighting this war. That's the great tragedy of the Clone Wars. Yeah, Anakin says, stand by your beliefs, but let us stand by ours. Real powerful moment. Uh, as you're talking to him, thinking, you know, Duchess Satine, literally, uh, you know, running around on a, a pacifist, uh, you know, theme. <laughs> it, it gets into a fight, gets into the fight when, when needed, you know, and, and you have to be able to separate those two and see why. And I think Star Wars rewards those who, uh, who who ask that why yeah 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 it's, this episode was or this arc was like a little heartbreaking to imagine like well what if the jedi did find their way to fight better and just say we're not doing the war but we're just going to run around and you know yeah. <laughs> do uh you know humanitarian relief and you know if we come across a village like the lermans we're going to do exactly what we did in this episode and we're going to stick to defending as much as possible uh it's fascinating to think through it is Good stuff. All right. Let's take a quick break and then we'll talk about some of those fun details in the second half of the Clone Wars report. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Force Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Force Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J E N I L A N D A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa1138. And we are back to discuss some of the action, some of the comedy in this great two-episode Clone Wars arc. So let's dive into the action. Ken, did you have some favorite action moments? I did. All right, here we go. Um, I'll tell you what, I didn't have as... This, I didn't write as many things down for all of our kind of questions we ask ourselves every week. <laughs> I just was really pulled into the big themes of this episode, but I do have favorite action moments. The opening sequence of episode one is the action we crave as Star Wars fans. I stand by that. It was one of the reasons that I started getting pulled into this series in uh, 2008 and 2009. Uh, I've talked, I've mentioned it before, but just, I yeah, watching it with one eye, but just looking up and going, oh, wait, you know, this looks and feels like Star Wars. And and it is that service level stuff. It is the playground uh, Kenner toys and all those things that kind of do pull you in. And, and George is aware of that. Filoni talks about that in the Mandalorian ga- gallery thing. That's that's the that is the the spice. It's the seasoning. It's 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 the frosting on our cake here. So that opening sequence is really good. It looks good. The cruisers. The the fact they made the decision. I was really looking at some of the pre production notes and everything. They were going to have it more in space. They moved it down, kind of in atmosphere. Uh, and so they could have some hyperdrive issues and everything like 
and I just really love the look of it. It's really good. Just really good sequence. A lot of drama, tension. And you said, and you're so right, Anakin just being a hero and seeing yeah. him in the hallway and going, yeah, that that is also, that is that person is as powerful as Vader, but the light, the light side version. It's really clear, and I love it. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. That whole opening scene, the all of the uh, the super battle droids just falling towards uh, the Jedi cruiser in a rocket droid attacking the cockpit. It's just it, you really feel it. It's vicious, and mm-hmm. it makes you know the battle droids uh, actually scary. Um, for myself, uh, I agree with you. There, this these episodes were kind of great because they were there is a lot of action, but they were very very. Um, you, you know, some there are some episodes of Clone Wars as you go on, I think, where it's like, and now the battle droids shoot at the Jedi for a while, and the Jedi hack the battle droids apart, and these were a little bit more specific. Um, I love, I like, I like the Ayla moments. I like seeing her do the wise Jedi thing, go like, uh, yep, Ahsoka's running and charging. I will go around and cut the probe uh, off at the pass, and then literally cut it in half, yeah. cut it in half with wisdom. Uh, her vine swing to rescue Bly is so cool. The trip, <laughs> yeah. and then his cord uh, whiffs the limb, and then she's like, "Cut the vine, swing, get him!" It's so fast and so cool. Uh, her burst of fighting, where you get to really see that she's got this different style, and there's this uh, athleticism and uh, sort of almost uh, <laughs> gymnastics to her uh, Jedi yeah. fighting is really cool. Um, totally. And then the other action moment for me is, you know, I do like it when the. Uh, when the Lerman uh, use their uh, lower stance and their uh, rope wisdom <laughs> yeah. to pull over all the battle droids. And then Ahsoka does that lightsaber drag across all the droid heads. <laughs> Just pop, pop, pop. <laughs> I love that you mentioned that. Oh, my God. I actually forgot to write that down. That is beautiful. Uh, Anakin has a one a little bit later where he like jumps on a tank and he just kind of drags his lightsaber. And I was like, yeah, that's what I would do, too. I would just like swing that thing. Wow. I'd cut everything. You know, yeah, I love that. that. It's the grievous school of I'm just going to spin these. And if you walk into them, that's your fault. So great. (laughs) Any other action moments for you? Uh, I did like uh, Rex versus the Master Phelon. It has a very, uh, you know, 1996 Ghost in the Darkness movie, Val Kilmer, Michael Douglas. Hunting, hunting picture. Oh, the nineties when just any movie would get made. Uh, I, I just, there was a, it's kind of uh, we always talk about star Wars horror. It had a little bit of that. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's good thing. And it's Rex, man. I love seeing Rex in action. There was one shot in episode two towards the end there when they're doing the big final stand where um, uh, Anakin, Ahsoka and Ayla are charging into the droids. And it is such a callback to some of the stuff we saw in the Genosis uh, battle, the, the Petronaki arena. In Attack of the Clones, it's really reminiscent in a great way, and it's just it's just that kind of base level cool three Jedi lightsabers charged into uh, into the droids. I liked it. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's extra effective because it's fist pumping because you know what they've been through yep. uh, philosophically, and you know that okay, we stopped the uh, you know we got the shields up, so the Lermans are safe for now. So let's get rid of these guys. <laughs> it's yep. pretty great. Yeah. Moving on to favorite moments of comedy, whimsy, weirdness. What do you got there? I don't, so I don't have as much. There are some, there is some droid humor here. You and I love the droid humor. Um, I'm sure you got some listed too. Uh, this is, this is, I guess, gallows humor on my part here, which I definitely have. I have a very Ooh, big I'm dark. curious if it's the same thing. Okay. I wonder. I just love, I love, I think it's Bly that says uh, uh, Cameron, Lucky, and Flash are dead. And I just love that Lucky's dead. <laughs> Just I don't sorry. Maybe I don't know if it's for that same reason. I just love it. I was laughing, just like 
you know, camera, lucky, Cameron, lucky and flash. Like what, 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 uh, you know, it, I, I love the nicknames and it's sad because they each have their own name and they've all kind of learned it. And lucky was probably lucky. Not so much anymore. <laughs> Odal Gallows humor. I laughed the first time I saw that. So probably not the same one as you or maybe uh, or it is exactly the same <laughs> one. I, I wrote down dark comedy. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Uh, so what, partially made me laugh uh lucky for sure but according to the uh the subtitles it's cameron lucky and flesh not flash flesh. but oh, flesh, flesh which makes right. it even more brutal lucky and flesh are dead like because the flesh just sounds like why did you not, that sounds like you're gonna die if your name is flesh that sounds yeah. like why don't you just name yourself vulnerable <laughs> oh, vulnerable oh no it's 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 almost like um you know, it's like a mobster saying, ah, they got lucky in flesh. What are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. And for the first time, I probably should have thought of this earlier. This, it felt both narrative and budgetary of like, uh, let's decrease the number of clones that are bouncing around. <laughs> oh, definitely. Season uh, one here. You're George is paying for this himself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got to kill them. Dave, you got to kill them. <laughs> But it is brutal. Like they're, you know, it ups the stakes. They're losing uh, people, and they're not nameless clones. They're named clone. Yeah. Cameron's dead. So are Lucky and Flash. What else you got for comedy? All right. So look, man. Uh, Dirt, man. Let's talk Lock Dirt. I, I, he's wonderful. George Takei is amazing, and I think I remember. And same with the Lerman. I think back back in the day when I watched it the first time, these are the kind of things that I didn't love, right? Because it's very prequel-like. Uh, what do we get? These kind of raccoon lemur type of meerkat people here? I don't like that. They got like weird kind of Scottish acts. I don't like this. And then, uh, oh, you know, the Nemodians, they're kind of silly. And, and you know, here's Joe. I, I, I don't like this. I, I love this now. And, and uh, again, he's not, a, he's, I'm not rooting for this character. Uh, but some of the quotes of ransack this dung heap. I mean, just I, I want to use that in life somehow. <laughs> and then uh, the droid moment with the with the two droids not volunteering, but the volunteers are you and you. And <laughs> just <laughs> love it. Works for me. I love that kind of just uh, you know blustery comedy from a from a fool. Yeah, yeah, and and to me it isn't just wacky because it gets uh you know set up by like I think one of my favorite uh, comedy moments didn't even write it down but you're making me remember with Lock Dirt where he's going on that kind of villain talking out loud to himself narration of like this will raise my standing in the separatist alliance <laughs> and the other, other the droid's like okay uh, yeah. why are you talking, who are you talking to why are you, why are you telling me uh, yeah it's really great the running away from Anakin. Uh, being and hanging oh, there, yeah. His Hilarious. run is really funny too. Look, uh, you know, I'm not a great. I'm 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 one, I'm a real bad runner, so I'm I'm not <laughs> that myself. But uh, I love. Uh, uh. Yeah, uh, I think the for me the biggest comedy moment is the the different emotion from the battle droids because we've been tracking this of like when they're wacky and when mm -hmm. it's kind of weird and sad, like they're just trapped in this war as pawns uh, saying, you know, they're, you know, I just got a promotion as Yoda hacks the one apart. I love it when Locked Dirt is explaining the defoliator and says it will, you know, kill all organic things, but leave machines alive and all the V1s just lose it cheering. <laughs> they're bouncing up and down <laughs> like they're at Coachella. <laughs> you even get cut back to that shot of Locked Dirt and there's still two uh, battle droids behind him like jumping like, yeah, and it's funny because it's just like, oh, they're cheering. haha. Mm -hmm. But when you dive into like the why, like mm -hmm. for once, they're not going to die. 
Yeah. It's yeah. funny and it's sad. <laughs> Love that. Any other uh, comedy moments for you? Uh, no, let, let them just would probably be the same kind of vibe. But yeah, I, I, I pulled humor from those. Again, weird choices. I, I thought there was a little less tip classical uh, Clone Wars whimsy in this, but clear, there's a lot. But you know what I mean? Like I was just really focused on the the bigger, deeper themes and, you know, uh, but it's there. And it's yeah. there at the expense of the villains. Yeah. You know, I agree with you. There isn't anywhere near as much comedy, especially in the first episode. Um, yeah. The last thing I wanted to mention for comedy is I really like Anakin's rock tricks of making the uh, moving the rock with the force and making the B1 oh, yeah. battle droids run around and chase it like cats with a laser pointer. Yes. yes. Great stuff. Uh, Star Wars canon lore connections to other stories. We talked about the big philosophy, but uh, were there moments in this that connected back from, uh, you know, yeah. events, lines, uh, objects, all that kind of stuff? There's So there's a bigger line that, you know, I might have, maybe if I was reading on my notes, I would have pushed it up top. So we'll get to that in a second. But uh, Anakin and the medical medical droid, and, and very clearly Anakin has the, the Vader breath. And and if you go, you know, online to StarWars.com, they, they mention that. It's very clear, just a preview of things to come, which is interesting because it's an episode in which his actions aren't showing showing you that that's going to come. Like you said, great, just a great point. This is pure Anakin being, being uh, the Anakin we all know he can be. But the fact that in that episode you have this brief two-second preview of what's to come uh, kind of was big for me. And then um, Commander Bly, just the note uh, you, you might have uh, been going to be touching on too, but Commander Bly is the clone commander that uh, kills Ailis Kara in Order 66 or lost along with uh, the other squad members. So there there you go. The Clone Wars animated program is going back and just adding some emotional depth that wasn't there on some of it. You might not know. I, I think the Order 66 sequence is, is really emotional. And I, and I liked it in 2005, even though I didn't tell people I liked it as much, and I love it now. But to now go have some deeper connections where uh, that's 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 a pal, man. That's that's someone Ayla Sakura fought alongside. It saved, swung down off the tree to save, and there he is, um, you know, taking her out. Yeah, no, it's this great uh, tragedy march through the first season of the Clone Wars is every time a Jedi pops up with their clone, I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that's the clone who kills them. <laughs> like, yep, yeah. uh, for sure with Bly. Definitely, definitely. Which, yeah, is painful. Um, yeah, for me, I just really wanted to highlight this Anakin wisdom because there is there are a lot of episodes of Clone Wars where he uh rushes off and sometimes you get the like oh yeah he's he's dancing on the edge of the dark side or mm. being you know a little bit non-traditional a little bit less rigid a little bit more proactive there'll be moments where like obi-wan said don't do that but what anakin did actually worked out so you're wrestling with those things a lot so it's really different when you have two episodes this two episode arc where he's just the noble hero that obi-wan is describing to luke in the hut in a new hope um he does the selfless thing of, you know, pushing everybody into uh, the other ship to escape and tries to hold back the fireball. So that's just like some great, it's not a fear of loss. It's selfless Jedi action. Um, Then he immediately uh, respects the Lerman request for the Jedi to leave. He recognizes this distinction between pulling the Lerman into war versus leading them to extinction, really supporting this idea of Jedi defense. Uh, Then all of his actions, he tries to be sneaky. He comes up with an actual good plan uh, to go to the base and not just like chop everything apart, but says, before we do anything, we have to shut down the communications, uh, implying that so more separatists don't come here. So his first thought isn't, you know, I'm going to tear them apart. It's got to make sure that no other separatists uh, come here and make this worse for the Lerman. 
And it's not like Obi-Wan tries to be sneaky and then Anakin comes screaming in with a lightsaber killing everything in sight. Mm. He does the rock trick. He works well with everybody to be super sneaky about all that stuff. Uh, and then even in the battle, it's all the main Lerman village defense. You know, come. it's not clear that Anakin himself came up with the pods, but everything is defensive. And then he selflessly says, you know, you, you keep defending the Lerman, I'll go take out the weapon. And that's also like... Uh, for me, sometimes Anakin is just a great tactician and is proactive about what needs to be done. But there's something about this that just felt really like he had his head so screwed on straight of my absolute priority before anything else, before protecting Ahsoka, before lashing out at someone I disagree with, is just that weapon can't touch the Lerman. So I'm going to rush into you know potential danger for myself because that can't happen. The Lerman can't be hurt. He's, he's mm. so noble and wise. And it, this is the Anakin that just makes you feel like he is this, you know, uh, he's this brother to Obi-Wan mm. and this brother to Ahsoka. And like, oh, what what kind of a father would that man have been to Luke and Leia? And just really drives the tragedy home. Yeah. Yeah. And I just I just like that. I, I want the big things. I want Anakin, you know, dancing with the dark side. I do love all that because it's the big story. But I just like that we get to f- see a little bit of that promise fulfilled from time to time. Yeah, because the loss of the nobleman is more powerful when we get to see the nobleman yeah, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just a couple other little things for me. Uh, I like the Yalaran, uh, uh, the Yalaran. I like Yalaran uh, asking if all the Jedi are reckless and it's just kind of good trajectory to where he's going to go, eventually sticking with the Empire. <laughs> That's what I wrote down. That, I'm glad you mentioned that. That was that exchange I put down too, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the plot every course along their last known trajectory. It was just yeah, it was nice, yeah. nice to hear that hyperspace uh, technology and uh, that exact line of dialogue. Uh, super small thing of Ahsoka eating a ration stick that looked a lot like Luke's on Dagobah. That was fun. Yep. That's yep. what these uh, war rations look like. Sticks. Uh, anything else in sort of canon lore connections? No, I, I did. Excuse me. I did I did like the Yularen one, Jedi are so reckless, and just that Ayla Sakura shoots back just the good ones. And I'm like, I wonder, I wonder what Yoda would think about that. Well, he's got yeah. some recklessness, but um, yeah. It seems like somebody trained by Quinlan Voss. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And just with uh, all the hyperspace stuff of having to get away from the ship, uh, mm-hmm. the way the computation works, uh, flying too close to a sun, yeah. <laughs> literally. Like, lots of great hyperspace uh, lore. Yeah. Um, for all you hyperspace lore fans, it's there. <laughs> a lot of hyperspace nerds out there. Yeah. Uh, we love them. Was there anything that you disliked or questioned in this episode? No, I mean, it would have been back in the day. Again, I mentioned it, some of the designs for Dirt and the, and the, and the Lerman, which, you know, I still, you, you know, I, mean, I, I still don't super, super love, you know, I think Lady Proxima should have had subtitles and L- Linda Hunt was great, but I just, it, some of that stuff doesn't pull me out, but some of it just like, eh, it's not my style, but I'm not, fortunately, not the one making those decisions. So the, again, the walk and talk and kind of lemur, meerkat kind of raccoon tail thing is cute. I love them and they're very powerful and I don't have a problem with them, but I, I definitely, I don't, I don't know. It's just a thing. I just, uh, back then, back in the day, I had a little bit more of a problem with it. So I'm glad yeah. I don't now, but I still watch it and go, eh, okay. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it was, I think it might be because that was one of the litany of concerns that original trilogy era people had with the prequels as they came out that mm-hmm. like you know we thought Jabba sounded so cool to have that Hatties and you have to have subtitles because they're aliens and same thing with yeah. the Greedo and then you get the Nemodians uh, speaking in, in accents that you know can be 
uh, definitely up for discussion about what's going on with the Nemodian accents and whether or not uh, it's great. Um, definitely up for discussion there. Uh, and then that leads into this whole prequel era where like, yeah, aliens just, uh, these raccoons are from Scotland. <laughs> and if you're already cranky about some of the accent stuff in the prequels, prequel movies, maybe you carried that into uh, having some umbrage against Scottish raccoons. Exactly. And now I do not, uh, or not as much, um, but yes. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, I'm, I'm with you at this point. I have nothing but love for Scottish raccoon lemurs. I love it. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think for me, there wasn't anything major I questioned. Um, I think nothing I disliked. Anything I questioned was just fun things to think about, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, this a lot of this is uh, predicated on the possibility that the chosen one could die, which is just an interesting thing to turn around in your head. Uh, yeah. And maybe we will at some point. Uh, but let's move on for now. Is there anything that we have not talked about that you wanted to bring up or touch upon? Uh, the, um, the music, um, you know, we often we don't talk about it a, a lot or enough. And, you know, it's also, you know, it's just so beautiful and good. And it's just you just kind of accept that. And in Kiner and everything, you know, the music they put out there, um, there's a lot of just real unique sounds um, in this season one. And you and I, you and I talked about on another episode of, again, uh, Lua Gordonson did just amazing, original, creative, inventive stuff for Mandalorian. I cannot wait to hear what else he has cooked up. So I don't want anyone to think this is a, a chipping at that um, block there. I just think Kiner's done some similar things, which is why I think Filoni has that moment in, in the gallery. And you and I have mentioned that before. I don't need to remix it completely, but just of like, hey, you can do some cool things with Star Wars music because we already did. <laughs> no one There's a lot in this episode, just the vibe of that of the village and the music going in. And I thought it was really good. It stood out to me this time. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of experimentation from Kiner in this first season of Clone Wars. And I what I really appreciate in this episode is we talk a lot about the big Star Wars theme of the organic versus mechanical. And this episode's pretty explicit with that of, you know, Anakin being naturally healed by the oil from pods uh, versus a weapon that destroys all organic matter and leaves machines alive. It's not a subtle theme in this episode, but the music supports it really well by having moments that sound, you know, so sharp and rigid and militaristic versus more uh, flowing and, you know, full of life in the Lerman village. Mm hmm. Um, for me, the stuff, a couple things that I wanted to touch on, uh, is just the character of Ayla that having mm-hmm. these moments, these, uh, Clone Wars episodes where unlike the actual films of the prequels that you can spend a little bit more time with an individual Jedi, it's just really fun to reflect like, okay, well with these episodes, you know, who is she? Uh, and I really expect, uh, res- uh not expected, respected. I really enjoyed that she was so calm and resolute but there was also these hints that she had definitely been through what Ahsoka is going through, definitely been through what mm-hmm. Anakin is wrestling with, that she's got this passion that she does keep on uh, in check. Uh, you know, she explicitly says that she had a really hard time letting go of her master, knowing that it was Quinlan Voss makes a lot of sense because he is charismatic and different and interesting. Uh, she's real defensive about the Jedi's involvement in the war. And that, to me, that hut scene had that little bit of like, she could have just let it go, but she was like, what you were saying has been bugging me, so I'm going to have it out with you. Like, she brings it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and then combining that with, you know, seeing her in, in action and seeing that, like, uh, athleticism, that style of movement 
in her fighting, you know, uh, ties into not necessarily the clothing choice, but the uh, her build uh, mm-hmm. as a character. So I just really was interested in pulling apart uh, these little snapshots of who she is as a Jedi and how she's different from other Jedi. No, I think it's it's great stuff, and and in the hands of uh, you know Katie Lucas as a writer, you again you see you see some of the value in in in, in that, and and um, it makes me uh, sad a little bit that we don't get more Ahsoka and Ayla later on sitting down talking about the big things, just over a cup of coffee at the corner of Dexter's diner. That's all I'd need. Yeah, because it does seem like Ayla is the kind of Jedi who could really be helpful to Ahsoka, and I think she yeah. was in this in this episode. Yeah, and who's to say they didn't? And we just don't see it. But yeah, and in my head canon, I can have those conversations between them. But yeah, like a uh, good good call there. Yeah, yeah, and who knows? Maybe we'll get that Disney Plus series of uh, Quinlan Voss and his young Padawan Ayla Secura. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> um, another thing I just wanted to mention uh, because I'll probably mention it again: a ton of Clone Wars stuff to me really has this strong, specific Legend of Zelda vibe for people who have played those video mm-hmm. games. There's lots, uh, you know, Legend of Zelda is a video game that does have action. You are always the fated one who needs to take down this uh, evil lord who is, you know, spreading sickness and disease all across Hyrule. Uh, But it also has this sense of whimsy and fun. And you are constantly coming across uh, villages that are very organic and flowing that are, you know, we live in pods. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We're healers and we are masters of ropes and we are, uh, we are, Scottish raccoons who travel by rolling. That's such a video game thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ahsoka dodging the pods earlier is such a video game thing. And this is one of those first episodes of like, uh, I remember watching it in 2014 and it was one of those like, wait, uh, you got your chocolate and my peanut butter. You got your peanut butter and my chocolate of like, I love Star Wars and I love Legend of Zelda and they really feel like they're coming together. Totally. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. they fit right into that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure I will bring that up again. Of like, this one has a Legend of Zelda vibe. Uh, anything else that we haven't talked about? Uh, no, no. I know uh, Dirt was supposed to be kind of a recurring villain in the Clone Wars, and he never shows up again. And I'm okay with that fact, but um, but I, I wouldn't have mind minded seeing him more now. You know? Yeah, yeah. I looked him up to remember. Does he show up again? And he's uh, he uh, is referenced in the Catalyst novel. Another reason to reread. And uh, he's referenced in one of the role-playing games, uh, the Separatist expansion. So Lockdurd lives on. He does. Uh, if you could have a figure of any character from this episode, who do you want, and would it be Lockdurd? <laughs> I mean, kind of. You're, you're kind of Lockdurd, kind of, um, <laughs> like a, a to scale. I, I think it's really hard not to have a Roland Wag Two figure. Like, like oh yeah. Even, Maybe even one of those like Happy Meal cheap toys that is just a all you can't even un- unroll him. He's just rolled up <laughs> in that ball and you pull like a cord and he just goes off the end of the table at the booth there at McDonald's. That's yeah. What do. Oh, that's pretty great. Rolling healer wag too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would want. I always want two packs, but I want like a two pack that's labeled like Battle Pack and it's locked in uh, Tewat Key or Tewat Ka. Yeah. <laughs> Since they don't actually fight. They fight philosophically without ever coming truly face to face. That would be great. The action philosophy battle pack of Tewat Ka versus Lockdurd. Mm. All right. Uh, we are going to wrap up here. Our next uh, episode that we'll be watching and discussing is Trespass, just the single episode. That's season one, episode 15. 
Uh, Ken, what should the moral of this episode of our podcast be? I was trying to think about this here. I think uh, when rolling forward, be aware that there are two sides to the path. (laughs) I don't know. That's great. It sounds extremely wise. Yes. Uh, But then you have to pick it apart to go, wait, is it? I think it is. It's like a song lyric. That's deep. I don't think it's deep. (laughs) It is the kind of thing that I would sing loudly along to while driving in a car and then go, wait, what am I singing? Am I okay with that? Do I agree with that? Anyway, uh, thank you for the great discussion, Ken. This is These are such great episodes that uh, just really get me excited to think about these ideas of, a, mm-hmm. of pacifism, when we fight, how we fight, and how we can all kind of uh, take those philosophies on if we want in, in, in our day-to-day lives, if we want, in our just how we interact with other people of, you know, how do we choose uh, the philosophy that we think is going to lead us to uh, the, the best path ourselves and the best path for others just some of the stuff that i love star wars because we can talk about the rolling uh scottish lemur raccoons and (laughs) we can talk about big philosophy that might help us in our lives indeed no great stuff i I mean truly i love it and uh it just uh it's why I love being a Star Wars fan, because now this this episode or these two episodes of the Clone Wars got me excited to go revisit the end of Rise of Skywalker or the lessons in Last Jedi or or what's present in Rogue One or a book or a comic. And, and it's all connected. And man, that's why we do it. Yeah, great stuff. Do you want to tell people where they can find us? I'd love to. You can follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use hashtag Force Center. Join the conversation. We are on Instagram, YouTube, like our Facebook page at Force Center Podcast. You can buy merch tpublic.com slash user slash force center uh, a lot of sales going on in tpublic right now check uh, they may be out by the time this episode airs but you can check and get uh, discounted uh, prices on those shirts you can support us at patreon.com slash force center always uh, looking for uh, new goals and things that uh, our patrons really do make it possible we appreciate that uh, you can also support directly on anchor if you choose to do that as well podcasts available in a lot of different spots including now amazon music check it there if you like uh, to have uh, that uh, be your podcast uh, location uh, we are there. Uh, we got our own stuff going on, too. You can go to KenNapsock.com for information on shows, uh, books, and more. Or follow me at KenNapsock, and I'll probably tweet it out. Joseph. Yeah, you can check out all my comedy adventures on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. But for now, this is it for us. For myself, for Ken, for Lock Dirds Defoliator, this has been The Clone Wars Report. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.